Hello and welcome to the Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, and I'm a functional medicine pharmacist in New York, as well as an integrative health coach and clinical herbalist. I'm pleased to go into season three of this podcast and continue to bring on other holistic-minded pharmacists and healthcare professionals to the show. I'm constantly inspired by my guests and their stories and love sharing their points of view with you all. Please enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. I'm so pleased to have on the show with me today, Dr. Monsi Shah. She's a clinical integrative pharmacist, holistic nutritionist, and a finance specialist licensed in a couple of states. She has spent crucial years of her life exploring different cultures and traveling to new cities, doing adventurous activities and connecting with communities on a spiritual level. Her life experiences are extremely diverse and dynamic. She has a passion for health, wellness, travel, nature, and adding immense value to her clients' lives. Her happiness lies in doing good for the Mother Earth and giving back to the community. After studying extensively in the field of medicine, her interest gradually geared toward the power of lifestyle medicine, prevention, anti-aging, epigenomics, and actually being able to monetize these concepts and having passive incomes. She believes that financial freedom comes from the type of life we create for ourselves and the choices we make. She is here today to discuss various topics on health, wellness, spiritual entrepreneurship, passive incomes, and financial freedom with the power of the shift in mindset. She provides entrepreneurial coaching and systems for anyone who is driven and wants an outstanding platform to be successful in the field of functional medicine and the finance world. Without further ado, I welcome to the show, Dr. Monty Shah. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you a very special guest. She is so multi-talented. I can't wait for you guys to meet her. Uh, her name is Dr. Monsi Shah. She is a functional and integrative pharmacist. She is a financial planner and a serial entrepreneur. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for such a great introduction, Marina. I really, really appreciate you bringing me on the episode and interviewing me today. I feel honored. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I'm so, you know, excited and curious to see all the steps that happened along your journey for you to delve into all of these topics. So I'd love for you to just give us an idea of where you grew up and uh, what happened first, you know, why you chose pharmacy and all the rest. Yeah, definitely. So um, let's be honest, we all get into healthcare because we have a desire to serve, right? That's what I realized. We all, we all want to serve as human beings, but some have more desires than others. So basically, um, my route to pharmacy was kind of planned, but then getting out of the pharmacy was not planned. So that's what happened. I grew up in a very holistic environment. My grandfather was um, he was an agriculture officer and a retired yogi and an acupuncturist. My aunts are Ayurvedic doctors and I, like the whole environment of the house was around nutrition. And then I have a godfather who got really sick. So uh, knowing his journey, I wanted to be in healthcare so I could save other people's godfathers because 
my godfather means so much to me and losing him was a big loss. So I wanted to be where I could be in a place where I can actually save lives. So that's how I actually started gearing towards pharmacy because honestly, Western medicine has taken over so much that we don't realize that the real medicine is food and lifestyle. And at that time, I didn't know anything. So growing up, I really thought that Western medicine is the way to actually help people uh, save lives. And that was one of the biggest reasons I chose pharmacy. And um, undergrad was in India. So I had a very specialized undergrad. It's uh, basically bachelor's in pharmaceutical sciences. That's what I did. Um, And then when I came here, I started uh, applying to schools who accepted my credits for undergrad. And I had some bridge that I had to fill for my prerequisites. And then I got into a PharmD program here um, after applying to a few schools. Wow, that's an amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing. So what age did you move to the U.S. and where did you reside and uh, where did you go to pharmacy school, you said? I went to pharmacy school in Henderson, Nevada, Roseman University of uh, Health Sciences. It used to be University of Southern Nevada before they changed the name. Uh, But um, so basically, I came here in 2006, 2007, somewhere between that. And at that time, um, the economy was really booming and pharmacy was the field to go to. So because my undergrad was in pharmaceutical sciences, I already had a solid foundation in pharmacy. And I didn't really look any further. Like I didn't want to research anything. I was just straight up. I was like, okay, I'm going to get my PharmD. So I started applying and I was in Chicago, which is a suburb there. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm meant for Midwest. So I started kind of flying all around the country to find out my, my place I wanted to settle at. So I went to, uh, for interviews, I went to different, different states like Massachusetts. I went to California, Florida. And then I finally found out that uh, the closest I can get to California was Nevada because I got waitlisted here in California because of my credits from outside. Like, you know, when you have foreign credits, they don't really accept you right away. They accept people from here. So but I said, fair enough, Nevada's next to California. And I sure did make my way here a uh, little by little. So I started picking my clinical rotations here in California. And then I started making my way up here. I uh, got my first job in Temecula, the wine country that we have here next to San Diego. Wow. Yeah. So it's quite a journey, you know, like coming from a completely different country and going for interviews on your own, renting car and like waking up and trying to figure out with GPS. And <laughs> I come like, you know, I was like, this is an experience, but it really molds you who you are. Like, I really feel that my personal journey has really molded me into the person that I am. And I'm right now using that to empower others because everybody has challenges and I found myself a little bit more bolder than other people. And I just want to give that courage to other people. That's my goal, you know, from my journey, personal journey. Yeah. I was just going to comment on that. The fact that you grew up in another country and 
pretty much as an adult, you came to a totally new country, you know the language beautifully, you speak perfectly. Uh, you know, you were able to figure out how to apply and travel all through all these states that many people who live here and grew up here didn't even get a chance to visit as many states. Um, and California, you know, it is notoriously difficult to get into pharmacy there. They don't even accept transfers from other states. So, you know, they are right. really a tough cookie. <laughs> they are. It's, it's very difficult for everybody, uh, starting from law to healthcare to any other field uh, that you want to get into. But I somehow cracked it. I cracked it. I think it's your inner desire. It has to be so strong that no matter what happens, you have to know how to handle that adversity in a positive way. And that's what the outlook I've always had as a little girl, like to handle adversities in a very positive way. And that's what brought me here. Yeah. So quite a journey, honestly, I've had because I made my way here to Temecula and then in our culture, our parents actually pick our uh, life partners. So um, one of my high school friends, he asked me out for marriage and I said, well, I live in, in, uh, I live in America, you live in India, right? So why don't you go through my parents? And my parents really liked him. So I moved to India after my uh, first year of practicing as a pharmacist. Wow. And then I went back to my roots where I came from. And that opened up a lot of things for me. Um, now I'm divorced, but uh, that didn't bring me down because I took that as a positive experience to build myself to what I am today. And I mean, it was mutual. It's just, it didn't work out because we have huge differences, right? Like moving back to India was a hard enough of a challenge and then moving back to Indian culture was even harder but over there I started my journey as a functional pharmacist so I had this beautiful uh, sanctuary it's uh, like a yoga studio with uh, a training center like for circuit training and workouts and uh, counseling and um, we did fertility yoga and aerial yoga and I had my whole counseling service as a functional pharmacist there that's where I actually started my practice Wow, amazing. So yeah, you didn't really let adversity defeat you. You know what you were saying before, most people, they tend to back out of challenges and not even face them. So they're so afraid of failure that they'd rather not even, you know, take the challenge. But it's actually more scary, like the fear is more scary than the actual challenge. So once you have the experience of overcoming challenges, it becomes easier and easier to tackle the next one because you have that confidence that I was able to handle this, this and that. It did not defeat me so I can take on bigger and better things. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that project that I had uh, put in place, so it was a passion project. I did it from scratch. I had a business partner with me, but it was more of my vision and she was a very uh, yoga enthusiast and she is very big in yoga. So she helped me with that section. I learned a lot from her through uh, the uh, 
area yoga and fertility yoga that we offered. So it kind of really molded me as an entrepreneur because everything I had to do from scratch, like coming up with recipes for the organic food cafe, building the menu, training the chef, uh, training the staff, putting the LLC together, uh, designing the place. So, you know, it's, uh, it's like going to school, like rather than going to MBA, it was a hundred thousand that I lost. I say it's a million dollar lesson that I've learned you know, yeah. rather than losing that 100,000. So uh, it was quite an experience. And that's what really made me bold. And when I came back after shutting that place, I knew right away that stepping back into a retail pharmacy was just a temporary uh, coming back on my feet type of a process where I was already building everything on the side. Just after six months of starting as a retail pharmacist, I started building my real estate company and my trading business. And I'm a Forex uh, trader, which is a foreign exchange uh, trading uh, platform, which we use for trading currencies. And uh, I started learning all of that. Like in the morning, I would go to school for learning Forex. So the trading starts around three, four in the morning because we are in the London and the Asia market in those early hours before the New York market opens. And then I would go to work at 12, come back, do a nine hour shift and then come back and then get up again, go at three. So that's how I started learning trading. And then on the days I'm not learning trading, I would put up my hours towards real estate. So I would do meetings and walkthroughs and uh, I was flipping some homes and putting my energy towards building some wealth so I could put that money towards trading. So, so much planning in two, three years. Now where I am in life is because of all the seeds I had planted, you know, in last two, three years. Wow. So... After you decided to close the business in India, um, first of all, why did you decide to close? Is it because you wanted to get back to the States? Yeah, my marriage wasn't working out. And then the business was also in the wrong place. Like, uh, imagine opening a high-end preventative medicine place in a small town in India. Uh, It would be the same if we do the same here in small town, take a New York concept to a small town uh, city in southern states. So I had to really evaluate if this is even worth spending more money than what I've already spent. So it was a very business decision. And then at that time, I was on a very uh, rocky phase in my marriage and I was wanting to really come back to states to start living my life again uh, differently so it was a business decision and a personal decision at the same time yeah yeah that it was tough (laughs) yeah it sounds very challenging but again like you see the smile on my face right now but i only i know how it went through those phases and my parents were not even in a position to help me out at that time because they had their own problems that they were going through. So usually my parents helped me out uh, in situations like this financially, but they, they couldn't even do that because they didn't have anything to help me out with. So I came with $500 back in my account and uh, took up a job. Some friends helped me out with crashing their couches 
And this is after a lifestyle that I had like for four or five years in India that I lived. I was married to a very, very rich guy. So we had like a home staff of five, seven people and a huge villa, like um, over $2 million in India. So yeah, I was like, you know, I could have survived in that marriage because it was picking between sometimes letting self-esteem go or respect go versus uh, like living in that fancy lifestyle or what do I want to do, you know, want to rise above that and be bold and just walk away from everything and build something again. That was the hardest part, you know? So once you get used to all that, it's hard because we all want that. Let's be honest. We all want a good lifestyle. We all want peace of mind, right? We all want financial security. So if I stayed in that marriage, I could have survived for the rest of my life without working even for a day. So I chose the other route because of self-respect. Wow. Doesn't feel valued in my marriage. Wow. I have goosebumps listening to your story. I'm glad like that's what I want I want women to have faith in themselves I want them to believe in themselves more than anybody else believes in them because if I can do it I'm I'm the same right I'm the common person doing uncommon and that's what we all have inside us and it's just sometimes it gets buried you know deep down inside because of fears and uh, social uh, pressure and family pressure and kids and there is a lot of adversities some have more than others let's be honest like I didn't have kids so that really helped but we've seen other women with kids do it too right i'm not the only person who's done it the way i've done it so just want to empower like i want to share that's the goal yeah i really appreciate you sharing your personal story and i feel so inspired listening to you and i just wonder you know how much self-work or how much other guidance or faith or belief in yourself you had in order to make these decisions because like you were saying it can't have been easy to choose a very risky route and keep having like this passion and this idea rather staying safe and knowing that you'll never have to take any risks and like you'll be fine right that's the thing that's what i had to really pick because um, my husband is a great guy he has his flaws we all have flaws right But those flaws, I didn't know if I really wanted to live with, you know, and some have a hard uh, stop on some things than other people. So he had his own challenges and I just felt like he wasn't growing like I was ready to grow. Like he wasn't able to put in the effort that he should have been and that, uh, you know, that is the hardest thing. Like we see so many marriages like that where one person is growing, other person is not. And a lot of people actually make it through still. So I was like, am I making a right decision here? Because, you know, coming back to States and rely on a job again, it's so difficult because fair enough, I did all that and I actually got fired after two years. So... Yeah, I was working off the clock and in California, it's not allowed to um, work off the clock even for a minute. Some states are more lenient, 
than others because it depends on if you are a non-exempt or exempt employee. So I was manager at CBS and um, things didn't go as planned and they had to let me go. Uh, it's a responsibility for them to actually keep me if I'm working off the clock. But at the same time, these big chains, they don't even give you help that you need. So all I was doing was cleaning up. I wasn't even doing any clinical work or um, anything that could risk patients. But you never know when that time would come. So it was a tough battle for them to keep me or not. But I'm not the only one who does that, right? Uh, we don't want to take any names, but I know several pharmacists in my own district that do it every day. They probably do it still, but it's just a matter of getting caught. Wow. So it's very difficult to keep that fine line between um, keeping your work balance and personal life balance and getting all the work done both places you know that's the tough part as a pharmacist i feel that pharmacists are not valued enough uh, for all the hard work that they put in for corporations doctors patients insurance we're like the we are the bridging gap uh, between all of these and we don't get enough uh, recognition that's how i feel Absolutely. We have such a huge workload and we don't have either the authority, autonomy, recognition, professional respect or compensation for any of these things. And, you know, um, for all of our responsibility, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of education, continuing education. But most patients also don't realize how much we have on our plates and, you know, other health professionals also don't know that they think is just counting pills and putting it into a bottle, but there's so much they don't see behind the scenes. Exactly. And that's where I felt that there is a huge disconnect where all these passionate people who are becoming pharmacists and then they are getting crushed all over, like they're getting walked all over, their soul is being crushed because it's become like a numbers game. It's become a volume game. And that's not what we go to school for. Like when we're in school, it's all about like doing the good for our patient, right? Like when I remember my rotation was infectious disease where we actually go through so many clinical data and evaluations and a plan where we can actually save the patient from resistant bacterial infection. So things like that you don't really get to do after you really graduate unless you have a clinical pharmacist status. So that's where a lot of disconnect is. And honestly, like how many pharmacists can become clinical pharmacists? That's, yeah. uh, if you had to put a real number on that, it's very few. Few, th yeah. few thousand out of like like millions of people who can actually get a position like that. that. That It's just not available. It's just not for everyone. It's not available. The spots are not there. So that's where I felt that as a retail pharmacist, there's nothing you can do other than just um, making your company more richer by the hour where they pay you peanuts. The new wages for pharmacists is mind-blowing like you would i would wonder why i even went to pharmacy school with the new wages they're offering like peanuts i don't even want to say the numbers 
because yeah. you'd have to cut it out. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like we've been, um, you know, the requirements, the school requirements, the rotation requirements have been higher and higher and more rigorous. But at the same time, and, and also like the load on our plate, even in retail with immunizations, documentation, all of these extra things that other pharmacists before us didn't have to do. Now we have to um, put all of that volume into one day, fit that all into one day, not work off the clock, and then not make any mistakes, and then have a pay cut at, on top of all of that. So that's right. a lot for a person to handle. Right, and they're forgetting that pharmacists have a personal life that they, they would have outside of work. You're so exhausted from working that when you come home, you have no energy. Uh, the stress has taken over your body. So you have aches and pains everywhere. And because of your lifestyle, you almost have a leaky gut because you're under stress. Uh, your stomach is always having knots and growling because of all the things you get bombarded with. And then you're not probably even eating well when you're at the job because I remember not even wanting to go for a bathroom break. So I would hold my bladder for hours without even like thinking about going to the bathroom because I can't afford to go to the bathroom. It's crazy. Yeah, it is really crazy. It's so tough. And I think my number one, um, uh, I don't know, issue or concern or dislike of pharmacy is knowing there is a better way for patient care, but not being able to implement it. Yes. So that's like my number one um, thing that pisses me off and that makes me want to really do something outside of pharmacy because pharmacy right now just doesn't allow us to get in there and become a provider for our patients. That's so true. And that's what I'm trying to do with my current uh, endeavor that I am um, practicing. And I have clients now, of course, I don't have very many clients, but I have few clients and I can actually change their life the way I want to change it. I don't have to give them pills for that. Yeah, yeah, same here. That's really awesome. So I really like that you had this long-term game, even you know, making this hard decision, leaving India, um, leaving what the known world and the comfort of your home and you know all that money behind and then starting a new venture um, without much financial assets at that point but you already knew that this is you know what you want to focus you want to ensure financial stability for yourself in the future and not you're not just going to be relying on income from a job you're also going to be planting those seeds like you were mentioning so I really, you know, applaud you for thinking ahead. And also, you know, you have 24 hours in a day. You're one woman, but you were able to make that work for you and accomplish the studying and the experience that you wanted to, to get to where you are today. So can you tell us, um, you know, how did you do that? How did you fit all of that in your day? And what other things besides trading and uh, real estate did you do? And what do you do now today? 
Yes, absolutely. So when I came back, I knew right that right away I have to start building something because something happened. Like universe is always giving you signs, and I feel that a lot of people ignore them. So I took took up on that sign. So first thing happened was the supervisor that hired me. She got uh, replaced, like for good because of budget cut. So they let her go. My company let her go completely, and she's been with the company for 14 years. So I said, "Wow, what am I? She has performed for 14 years, and I've been with CBS on and off, and it's been a great company and great um, uh, place to be. But I knew that it's a numbers game, and I will be replaced. So first thing I did was I enrolled myself in a real estate school." So the real estate school that I got enrolled is like an MBA in real estate. So we learned from fix and flip. Uh, we learned from there to commercial real estate. So everything that comes in between that. So wholesaling, fixing and flipping, uh, syndication, um, and then commercial real estate, multifamily units, everything and everything, anything that has to do with real estate, I started learning. In that process, I started learning how to negotiate, how to pitch, how to uh, raise money. Like we have a whole money uh, academy and that really helped me how to present myself to investors. I would create this uh, creditability packets for uh, presentations to my investors and real estate agents and building teams. And uh, that really taught me a lot. And then from there, I picked up one area of real estate, which is wholesaling. So wholesaling is nothing but you negotiating the deal for an investor and then flipping the contract. And I didn't even know about this until I went to school for it. So I started wholesaling. I recently wholesaled one building in Chicago that was in uh, end of February. But since COVID, things have been slowed down. So there is nobody really selling or buying um, that much right now. So we need volume for wholesaling. But just that wholesaling business is what I'm focusing on with real estate. It's like a passive income club for investors where my company actually provides a good multifamily units to investors and they just get like a direct deposit every month. Everything else, the headache of maintaining the property and uh, all the paperwork is handled by my company. So uh, I have a good uh, network and good setup in Chicago. That's why I'm in that Midwest market for that. So that was through networking and really knowing what these numbers look like. Because there's so many numbers you have to look at in commercial real estate, which multifamily unit is a part of that. And because knowing everything helped me find partners who want to work with me. And then finding investors on the other side who I can bring to the company. So that was what I did. And that was one business I do. The second one I did after that was learning trading. So trading is something that takes time to build. And because uh, I was so dedicated and I have good memory, like all pharmacists do, I started memorizing things where I can actually go through a currency uh, pair and start placing trades where I can do at least about five to 10 pips a week you know, which is very bare minimum, but wanting to be able to do that can help me actually replace my 
W-2 incomes. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that with real estate can really help combine uh, to have a cash flow where I can slowly build a bigger income on the side eventually. So I, I wanted to put my hand into things that is going to be bigger than what I'm doing in my nine to five, right? So that's what I was doing, real estate, trading, and then also functional pharmacists. I'm very passionate about that. And remember you said that that one thing that really bothers you is knowing that there is better way to help your patient. Exactly. And then that bridging the gap was one of the things that you couldn't do. So that was my passion of becoming a functional pharmacist. So what I did was um, I got a holistic nutrition uh, course done as, um, as an add on to my PharmD that I have. And then um, I already had a lot of experience with uh, functional pharmacy. So what I did was I, created a program, which is a functional uh, integrative wellness network type of a program where we actually offer uh, other practitioners, regular doctors like MDs, DOs, um, like chiropractors, anybody who wants to integrate functional aspect their practice, uh, there's a program that we implement in their practice. And this program gives you financial freedom because doctors are already seeing patients. They want to walk away from CPT codes and ICD-10 codes, right? And functional medicine does not need all that. So we have entire implementation program as a group with me and my other business partners. And that helps you build passive incomes through those practices that you built. And the doctors also get to build uh, passive incomes of their own. So the practitioners have that leeway um, and a little side income from that, and they can build that up. So during COVID, all the doctors who were doing that business, they actually didn't need to see their patients because they were actually making money on site through that business. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Does it, it is involve, very interesting. Does it involve um, like assessments? Um, like what yes. does it involve diagnostics, implementation, diet, supplements? Yes, it does. So it's based on uh, therapy. Uh, so basically we uh, do test therapy and retest. Okay. And this whole process of uh, testing and uh, therapy and retesting is what brings the income. Okay. And of course, in the process of doing all this, the major outcome is breakthrough in patient outcomes. Because that's what we all want, pharmacists, practitioners, doctors, right? Because honestly, like sometimes I have girlfriends who go to doctors and they are in crazy amount of pain, but their labs look normal. So there are those... One of those memes you see, like their hair is all out. They look all like crazy. They're sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor's looking at the lab and they're like, oh, everything's fine. Your labs are great. Go home. Yeah. You know, like, no, they need help. They need help. There is more than labs. There is more than numbers. There's more than diagnosis that we need. You know, it's a mind, body, soul approach that we really need in today's practice. Wow. 
So that's the third business. And then I became licensed financial planner because I truly believe that today's world, the modern world has a huge financial aspect attached to wellness. How can you expect somebody to become completely stress-free and worry-free if their finances are a hot mess? And a lot of people, they know how to make active incomes, but they don't know how to make their money work for them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, that stability, that physical stability, the fact that you will have food to eat, a shelter over your head, a roof, um, all of those are like the number one survival instincts that we have and that's the number one fear that drives us to take those nine to five jobs and not take any other risks and you know just be unhappy or you know 50 percent depressed for most of our lives but just to have that safety security net right so now piggyback on that do you think those depressed feelings they get stored within ourselves and actually manifest the symptoms Absolutely. So if you don't really enjoy what you're doing every day for eight to 10 hours, some people even have 12 hour shifts. Oh my God. I don't even know how they survive those, but imagine doing what you absolutely despise working with people you don't enjoy are always putting you down, have jealousy. Like you don't like going to the office or whatever workplace, then what's going to happen to your health? That's my question to everybody. Absolutely. It's uh, a feedback mechanism. If you're happy, it drives your health. And if you are fully healthy, it's going to drive your happiness. But there's all these factors that we have to optimize in order to have the best of both worlds. Right. And then when I came back, I had no financial stability, very little money and crashing couches uh, with friends and requesting them to help me out, not financially, but uh, just to stay that way I can build some credit and pay stuffs to get my own place. Right. So that really taught me that if I had better financial education, I wouldn't be in this position today. And I, that's what I want to hold people's hand at. Like, don't get yourself in that situation. It's not an easy spot to be in. And it takes away a lot from you, like your health, your mental peace, your soul, you know, everything gets dented. And that's what I don't want others to go through. Yeah, I love that. I love that message. Uh, I love that through your story, you just, you know, took charge of your life and you became more and more resilient, even though there were challenges, you just decided to overcome them. And instead of running away from them or um, letting fear paralyze you, and also that you were able to decide what you wanted and go for it. So a lot of people are also indecisive. They don't know what they want. They don't know what's going to make them happy. But you kind of honed in on what it, what it is that you want. You chose California. You, you knew that you liked it from all your travels. So that's where you wanted to be. You know, you chose the businesses that you felt were the most successful or more likely to help you gain financial independence. So you zeroed in on all these things and made those decisions um, be your guiding lights and just follow through on them. So I, I really love that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm huge on knowledge competency and resilience. So when you have these three things, the power 
is yours. Like you want to hold your powers and you can hold them with these three things in your hand. So that's what I did. I practically started looking for knowledge. That's why I started going to all these courses. These courses were not cheap. Like they were expensive courses. That's where you get real knowledge, like where they actually open doors to what these other people who've made it successfully are doing. To get a mentor in today's world is not cheap. Let's be honest. But it's the best thing you could do for yourself is to invest in something who will personally teach you the ropes. Yeah, because your skill set is everything at the end of the day. Your energy, your skill set, your mindset, and your health. If you have these all these three, four things, you've almost aced your life. Yeah. And I also want to go back to uh, when you were in India and you said your experience with building a business from the ground up was worth more than an MBA degree. And I also agree with that because experience is the best teacher. You know, you won't learn anywhere as fast in theory than if you go and do hands-on approach and actually experience success and failure and figure it all out. That's so true. And if it wasn't for all these experiences, I would not be so comfortable today with being an entrepreneur, not worried about having a nine to five ever again in my life. The businesses I've built, I never want uh, have to go back or I don't want to, but now I've put in my, uh, myself in a position where I don't even need to, which is the most powerful thing. And then because I had so much going on and so much uh, of uh, experience and knowledge and the way I could present myself, at the end of what happened was just recently, last year, I stumbled upon a company which is uh, through a family friend. And they are very big in uh, the company and the owner and the founder. He's huge in changing the world, the way the world uses plastic. Mm. So we're redefining the way plastic is used in healthcare to begin with. So the pharmacy vials, uh, the sharps container, the uh, urine containers, the uh, plungers and the uh, syringes and everything is going to be now through our company uh, going to be built from uh, cornmeal. So everything is manufactured from cornmeal. So when you throw things out, they're not going to stay on earth for thousands of years um, or like hundreds of years uh, because plastic takes about 100, 200 years to uh, disintegrate, right? This will disintegrate and become a part of earth in six weeks. And we have FDA approvals. We have, uh, it's so powerful. We have uh, all the requirements that, is needed for a patent so it's a patented product we have six patented products and now that project my dad has taken up because of what uh got presented to us together and he is implementing the whole project uh, on production side because my dad has been in production for about uh, 35 years now oh wow wow that is so amazing i mean i think almost everybody is aware of all the pollution and waste that goes on in the world. And a lot of it is with plastic. Like recently, New York actually had put in a ban on plastic bags, which is a good first step. Um, 
earlier, I think maybe a couple of years ago, they banned styrofoam. Now they're banning plastic bags. So obviously it's, you know, a small drop in the bucket over here, but I think it's still getting the general idea to the population. And we're aware that there's so much, you know, plastic forks and um, utensils that we use, plastic packaging for food. Um, and all of that is replaceable. So it just takes time. But in terms of healthcare, I don't think a lot of people realize how much waste goes on unless they are in healthcare. And also they don't really think about doing it a different way because, you know, we're so concerned with saving patients and improving healthcare that are the last thing on our mind is like also caring for the planet at the same time. But this, so very, yeah, it, this is very actually smart and cost effective to do something like this um, because you're, you know, you're showing you care about the people and also the future generations of people to come. The health of the planet is very much intertwined with the health of ourselves and our individual health. So this is like looking at the big picture and I really love that. So congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, I'm so blessed to be a part of this project. It's called Innovative Bottles. And just recently, we signed a contract with CBS News and BBC to have a documentary being aired. So we'll be all over uh, the news next year uh, with our little documentary that we are the way the company is going to be laid out and how everything is going to be produced here in America. We are actually putting up a plant next month in Reno. Nevada. Wow, amazing. Yeah, that's even more good news and jobs for people. So that's great. Mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm excited about this. Yeah, I'm really hoping it extends to other fields of healthcare because it sounds like it's very much focused in pharmacy. So I hope it like has other products being developed for other uses in hospitals and things like that. Yeah, that's the future. That's definitely the future. But right now we're starting from a patient enters the hospital to leaving to the pharmacies. Our goal to go through that circle and find out every single plastic item that we can replace. That's amazing. So, wow. So you definitely are a serial entrepreneur. You have like four or five businesses uh, running up and running right now. So what is your goal, you know, in the near future or maybe in the distance future? Um, do you hope to have uh, just, just keep building multiple streams of income or do you hope to combine it all in just like one single vision? What, what do you think? It's so hard to have one vision when you have so many passion uh, <laughs> projects going on. So honestly, my big goal is to do good for the mother nature give back to the community big time and just keep changing lives. Like even when I was at the pharmacy, like little things I would do for my patients, they, it would touch their hearts. But now I actually get to change their lives like completely on a different level. Yeah. Which is what I'm very passionate about because my finance clients, they just love the type of investment vehicles that I offer. And then my holistic, uh, pharmacy clients, the functional medicine uh, clients that I take up personally, they get health goals done. But then I'm able to integrate some finance with that too. And then it's like, you know, you, I, it's hard because I'm able to offer so much that like, I'm also a business coach. So sometimes after everything's done, like they convert into a business client where they want to do something on the business front with me. 
So it's just like always something or the other from one or the other client uh, getting uh, overlapped. And I just get to do so much. And I don't know if I can really do one vision, but my big vision is to honestly, I want to declare that my big vision is to create 100 millionaires, at least in this lifetime. That's like a small vision right now, but that's to start with. Wow. Okay, that's a good and accountable goal that you can quantify. So that's really good. Um, I have to ask you, so besides your, you know, official schooling and courses that you've taken, did you also invest in private coaching for yourself? Because it seems like you just have such clear, you know, visions and ways that things happen. Or was it all just the power of networking and meeting the right people? Honestly, I did not get a chance to do private coaching because I was doing so much that I could never uh, set aside that time. But the people I learned from are so successful, so powerful. Even if there is like thousands of people in the room, I always assume they're talking to me. (laughs) And then these powerful coaches that I have, I made sure that they know me. So next time, like, they see me, they recognize my face out of thousands of people that they meet. So I did not get that chance, but I kind of converted what I had on hand to a private coaching. Like even in the mornings, uh, you hear me uh, listening to some of the top personalities that I follow, like uh, I love uh, following Gary V for my social media and then um, Simon uh, Sinek for uh, how to be a leader and how to be holistic in your leadership. Uh, Tony Robbins at Milet. I'm always listening to somebody uh, in my day. I spend some time. So I think I take that as private coaching because whatever they tell me, I'm like taking it very personally. I'm like, I got to do this. I got to implement this. So I guess that's, that's where my private coaching comes from. But maybe in future, I will. I just don't know if I have the time right now with everything going on. Yeah, you're a very busy woman. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but not busy to be just busy. I'm actually uh, doing something that I feel very uh, fulfilled. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, all the best coaching in the world, um, you know, it's worth nothing unless you actually implement Implement your thing. So it sounds like you're you're doing all of that. So congratulations. Yeah, I wanted to thank you so much. I wanted to really tell my viewers, like whoever listens to this podcast, if you really want to be entrepreneur or looking to have freedom, this is the book to read, The 4-Hour Work Week. And I swear by it because that's the lifestyle I want to create for myself. So I'm in the process of it. But it is hands down one of my favorite entrepreneurial books. Yeah, absolutely. I have read it too. Um, okay, so we just have a few minutes left. Uh, would you mind going into a rapid fire round? Sure, let's do it. <laughs> it's okay. fun, right? Yeah, it's really fun. Um, so what's your number one advice to listeners that want to improve their quality of life, uh, of life right now? If you want to improve your quality of life, I say that write down your goals and really write them down and look at them every day. Let it be five goals. But if you don't write them down, I have noticed that everything gets jumbled and you know, like your brain cannot be your book for writing stuff. So focus on that 
and commitment is like it's just like you know you have to make sure that you stay committed to it just one bad day or one day of falling out of something should not be a whole week or a month of like that so get back in that track again and consistency is the key like cannot stress on commitment and consistency because there is no secret to success it's just two things wow yeah those are wonderful um you know and implementable ideas and um really good advice so uh next question i don't know if you have the time for it but what's your favorite thing to do for fun oh i have time for it i actually have um my favorite thing is going for hikes and i go for hikes almost every other day so california is so pretty and we have all these hikes and mountains and nature so my favorite thing is spending time in nature and i absolutely do it so that's what i love about my lifestyle every day i can make time for that awesome well my little uh, thing <laughs> my little son came to join us for for the last question uh what's your favorite beverage to drink favorite beverage to drink um can smoothie count in that sure it has okay <laughs> So it's like my fix for the day. Like every morning I make this dark chocolate smoothie uh with this raw cacao and banana and peanut butter and some greens in it and that's my favorite drink to drink. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I also will share all your social media links and any other link on the on the show notes my son is uh demanding attention so thank uh -oh, you so it's much okay but thank you so much fun. it yes. was such a blast and i hope to connect to you soon yes we'll speak to you soon all right all right care. take care dear thank you for tuning in to another episode of the raw fork podcast and i truly hope you enjoyed the show if you learned something new from it i would really appreciate if you can give us a five star rating and a sincere review so that more people can find it across the podcast platforms. To get in touch with me, please go on rawfork.com or email me directly at marina at rawfork.com. Take good care and I'll see you back here next week.